0: Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Daniel Norcross from Test Match Special, BT Sport, Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Zero Ducks Given podcast, if you're interested. And I am delighted to say that I am joined by the Wiff waff the piff-puff. The puff <laughs> basically hangman himself. He's awake. He's wide awake. I, um... It's dark in London. Oh, not no, London, wherever London, you mate. are. Sunderland, <laughs> <I've> done... Middlesbrough, <laughs> Hartlepool.
1: Somewhere, the North Yorkshire Dales. It's very beautiful. Come and visit.
0: It is lovely, isn't it, up there? But it's dark because it's only seven o'clock in the morning where it you is, are. It is. And uh, I'm in Hobart, not in Hobart. I'm in Canberra. You don't know where anything, go You don't know where either of us well. This is rubbish. <laughs> I, I'm all over the place. I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm. I'm just. I'm a wreck of a man. Anyway, um, <laughs> this bodes well With for that the in podcast, mind. doesn't it? <laughs> England Cricket on 99.94 is your new home for England cricket content and we will be dropping into your podcast feed and on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So please rate, review and subscribe. Thank you for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today we are going to look at the announcement of the England Test Squad for Pakistan. Uh, There are some eyebrow-raising moments. We discussed contracts the other day. Uh, And so it's of no enormous surprise to you that Alex Lees isn't there. But we will be focusing on some of the more unusual names that have come in. Uh, We will also be looking, no spoilers, but at two batting spinners who have uh, both been selected. And then we're going to try to understand and unpick from the selection how England are going to go about playing in Pakistan. Because Pat Cummins, of course, famously said the three-match series in Pakistan. I think he said it, you've got to treat it as a one match of 45 sessions. That sounds pretty <laughs> grueling to me. Let's hope that today's podcast isn't as grueling as Pat Cummins makes cricket sound in Pakistan. <laughs> so, Rory, to start with, yeah, let's take a look at some of those uh, more eye- eyebrow-raising sections. Keaton Jennings, everyone said, you know, he's a guy who performs well in the subcontinent, has scored hundreds of against Sri Lanka and uh, hasn't performed too badly, I believe, in India either. And he had A mountain of runs in county cricket. So he is a great example of someone who has been selected. Alex Lees has not. And I just feel a bit sorry for Alex Lees, really, uh, because I don't know that he did a great deal worse or if he did do worse than Zach Crawley, who has got a full contract and is there and all's <laughs> fine. And Alex Lees is... Ceremoniously dumped out the side, like so many openers of the last seven years. They've yeah. He's he's had how many Test matches? He made ten. it to uh, ten, I think.
1: Yeah, and and mm. the, each of the last ten, so he has been a permanent fixture over this. Well, he, actually, he's been a permanent fixture of the red ball reset. Um, but now he's yeah. been he's been reset yeah. himself, and I suspect he's been reset to Durham for quite a while. Uh, yeah, it, it, I don't think you could say it's. A harsh decision in the round, sort of in in the general sweep of of Test cricket history. The guys played ten Test matches. He averages twenty. What is it, twenty three or twenty five? Not not great. And maybe if he'd got to a hundred at some point this summer, because he he got a couple of decent starts. He he had an unfortunate run out. Uh, he he gave he gave them a bit of a good start in in some of those outrageous chases, but he didn't. I don't know, he didn't give himself something to, to really take to the bank in the way that... And Zach Crowley has an army of detractors, I know. But he has he has got peaks, real peaks to, to stand alongside some of that other stuff. And England have, have really rode in behind him, and that's unlikely to change, I think. I suppose they decided they couldn't have two openers averaging 20-odd. And they looked at them, they weighed the scales, and and they decided that Lees was, Lees was one who could go. Uh, what it does do, it, it it's the, does it feel, does it feel like the first authentic dropping of the Bazball McCullum Stokes era? Potts was eased out of the team with a lot of kind words and a promise to be back. Albeit he's not in this squad. We'll talk about that. Um, Lees feels like he's been dropped, and I, that, I think that's a bit of a first for this this regime.
0: I think you're right, actually. Um, I think the Potts situation was very different. If you're going to play broad Anderson Stokes and they wanted to do that, then once Ollie Robinson had proved his fitness, you know he's going to be ahead of Potts in the pecking order and Potts would have understood that. I don't think that's really an issue. I think for Lees, the difference is that he's been dropped and he's been replaced by Jennings and Duckett, in effect because Ben Duckett, who was brought into the squad as cover at the Oval um, as the extra batter when Harry Brook advanced into the side following Johnny Bairstow's injury, uh, it was fairly clear then that they felt that Duckett had been rehabilitated, uh, his game had been advanced. I don't know what you want, would how you'd want to describe that precisely, but they'd seen him scoring runs for Nottinghamshire um, consistently. He's got a very fine first-class average over the last six, seven years. Um, and once he's in, it's the Jennings one, I guess, that lets Lees know that mm, that's a dropping and it's a very hard to see a way back from that dropping because they've got two other left-handed guys who can open the batting who've come in there. Now, uh, what do you make of the Duckett selection and what do you make of, of how the selectors are then going to go about this? They've got three openers. Um, two of them are on forms of contract, are they? Or is it just the one? Is it I'm not sure. Just Duckett's one of them. It. Yeah, Duckett
1: hasn't got one. and uh...
0: Just one. Duckett's, Duckett's not got a contract. No, so, so
1: isn't.
0: The so, assumption so we can, be, we can looking be pretty at the, at the sure that as it's...
1: always that Zach Crawley will open the bag. <laughs> that, that's the one immovable. Correct. That is the immovable um... death,
0: death, <laughs> taxes, taxes, and Zach Crawley's opening the bag. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, what, do you, what do you think the signal meant when, it, when they've asked for Keaton Jennings out there? Does that mean that Duckett will again be the next cab off the rank. We'll be waiting, and that Jennings is. I don't think it's in there first choice. I don't
1: think it's clear. I don't think it's really clear what the what the pecking order is there because they are both coming from from out of the system. Uh, I think, if I'm right, in the Lions match, uh, Jennings opened and Duckett was middle order potentially against South Africa yeah. this summer. Um, and and we should. A hundred percent flag the Keaton Jennings interview on ninety nine point nine four. That, that, that well I, done, I spoke to Keaton. At, I spoke to Keaton at length for my uh, for the press association and for ninety nine point nine four. He spoke all about it. And the one thing he said was, "I'd love it. I'm he, I'm content with the idea that I might not play international cricket again, but I but I want to. You know, he, he's he's come to a point of maturity and understanding and acceptance, and he's thirty years old." And this, if he, if he was ever going to get another crack, this is the time. He's had a huge season at Lanks. He's learned to go big. He's found his scoring areas again, and he has that little bank of certainty, having scored hundreds in Mumbai and Gaul. That he has a method. Now, whether he's got a method against the extreme pace that they can throw at him first up, that's a bit different to those matches. Uh, you know, it, it is different. It's a different kettle of fish over here. But I can understand entirely why they've gone for him. I can fully understand why they've gone for Duckett um, after the T20 series where he was such a reliable, um, bankable player. Started well, scored in different places, read the read the pace of the pitch really nicely. Now, whether that speaks well to Duckett in terms of getting him in that 11, I don't know. Or maybe they look at him and say, this is a guy we can just plug in anywhere, as and when. Over the course of the series. So, whether he has been earmarked and identified for that top spot, or whether he can, he's going to fall a bit foul of the utility man thing, whereby they look and think he could be a really handy option anywhere we need him. I don't know. But it's, yeah, it, it, what's interesting, I suppose, is that both Duckett and Jennings, you could say, have benefited from their ability or adaptability to play on those kind of pitches. And the next thing, really, after and we've got New Zealand coming up, um, but the next thing that's on everyone's minds is the Ashes. And I don't know if... Uh, hard to say where they stand on, where, where they stand on that. And, and it's not obvious that this England team... Well, it is obvious. I'll tell you why, it is obvious. This England team are not planning for the Ashes in the way that the last regime was always planning nine months ahead. They're just trying to get this series won, So They've picked two batters who are going to play well out here, hopefully.
0: I think that's spot on. I think that's a really astute observation as well, actually, um, because this is a side fit picked, I think, for Pakistani conditions. The only caveat I'd have with that is that Keaton Jennings is, yeah, mum in India and Sri Lanka, fine, but Pakistan pitches are so slow that Pakistan bowlers don't tend to be spinners. And we're going to come on to that conundrum shortly, but... It's a place where pace really rules, and that's why Pakistan produce such a dizzying array of brilliant, talented bowlers who can do a lot with the ball because they have to. Because you can't get much out of those pitches. And it was actually bowlers like Jasprit Bumrah who kind of, I mean, humiliated uh, Keaton. Is a bit of an. Un, I don't mean it quite as brutally as that, but you yeah. know, he, 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 the, the dismissal at the Aegeus Bowl. Yeah. was one that looked awful and it kind of signalled the end of that phase of his career, didn't it? Yeah. And it was his produced His game by was in a
1: very a, different place, though. He, he, yeah, he, that's very he true. Was, he'd lost all his scoring shots. So in a way, that a GS Bowl dismissal, it came about from a lack, he had a lack of options. He didn't trust his options and, that, and he's not in that place anymore. So he is, he is in a different place. Uh, but actually, when I spoke to Keaton, I asked one of the questions that you sent me on WhatsApp about, does it, does it sort of piss you off a bit? been been flagged up as subcontinent specialist when you make 100 at Old Trafford and you might not see a spinner all day long. And he said, well, he said, yeah, people have got that a bit backwards, haven't they? Because if you open the batting in England, you're not down on your one knee sweeping in the first session, are you? Let's be honest.
0: No, that's absolutely right. Uh, Just before we move on, no great surprise, no Stuart Broad. Um, He's got kind of a family leave, if you like. And I don't think that's a particularly bad thing for England, uh, the conditions in Pakistan, they don't really seem to me to be Stuart Broad friendly. They're not going to be, not going to be friendly for anybody. These are not friendly conditions to bowl in. So um, I don't think that's a tour that he'll be too upset to miss out on. But uh, he i have no doubt be very much looking forward to the birth of his first child. And if I know anybody who's had a first child, he will about three months later be very much regretting the birth <laughs> of his first child. <laughs> we're going to take a short break. After that, we're going to talk... About Well, Will Jacks and Liam Livingston.
2: You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube, or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM, by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket.
0: So welcome back. Um, why have we chosen those two particularly? Well, really, because of the composition of the side to a degree. Uh, and it is that the, here are two guys we think, I think at any rate, are going to be vying for a place. Will Jacks, bold, was the only spinner that Surrey selected until Dan Moriarty in the very last game at Old Trafford when Surrey had already won the title, Moriarty picked up a Vifer. But in no other game across their title-winning season did they pick another spinner. Will Jacks did a lot of bowling in April and in May when it's traditionally not easy to bowl spin. He he didn't take a a mountain of wickets, but he bowled tightly, didn't give much away. I mean, I think his average is about 42. There's no way you're looking at Will Jacks and thinking, Oh, you know, there's Graham Swan. Um, no doubt about that. But those are hard pitches to bowl on in April and May and to have any kind of effect. And he was very helpful for an England bowling stack, uh, for a Surrey bowling stack, I beg its pardon, that had four or five seamers in, and he was able to give a bit of um, recuperation. But Will Jacks is in that side because he's played county cricket, you would think, and the numbers that he racked up both with ball and bat and the maturity and the fact that Surrey actually used him as captain in the T20 blast suggests that Surrey themselves think he's a, a young man with a very good cricketing brain. Temperamentally, very, very different. Circumstances very, very different from Liam Livingston, who is a crash-bang-wallop kind of charismatic player, always chest out, trying to prove himself. Um, I, I think back to that what's it, one day when he was it was so clear that he was about to get out, caught off a slow ball bouncer because he'd just smashed, <laughs> I think, Harris-Ralph for four six six, And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, he's going to bowl a slow ball bouncer and he's going to get out, caught a mid-wicket. But he was always going to take it on. And he was happy was with his role in that play, wasn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. He wasn't going to go back and, and think about it and think, oh, I'd better <laughs> not do that next time. He's just, just going to go, I should have it better. Um, they're very different players mm. but they perform a very similar role which is aggressive middle order batter that can also spin the ball and of course Livingston's got slightly different strength to his bow in that he can roll leggies as well as offies so do you see those two guys vying for the same role and also what do you think it says about the flexibility of selection that you know we've got very similar players that have arrived in the same place from very different directions
1: yeah well I think I think Rob Key is having a ball with this selection rule, this sort of interim selection idea that he's given himself. And honestly, from what I've seen of it, I don't know why he's advertising the position. I think he's doing a great job. And I'm going to poke the uh, the county cricket horn at Nest a little bit here by saying, I think Livingston's a really good pick. And, and people pile into you, because let's be really, really clear about the numbers. He didn't play county cricket for 13 months. First-class cricket. He has played eight games in the last three seasons. He's averaged eighteen and eleven in the two seasons that he's played with the bat. This is so his record is negligible. It's it's almost nothing. So they're picking the person, not the CV, the recent CV. But I think it's a, I think it's a really sensible pick because why he's twenty-nine, like. Would England cricket have really missed out had they never asked the question and found out a little bit about Liam Livingston and if he could do it, if he could step up? I think they really would have. I think he was a real. I, I think he was a sensible, verging on obvious pick for the West Indies tour that happened when England didn't have a head coach. Paul Collingwood came in as a free hit. We're going to do a reset, but it's all a bit of a it's all a bit of a first time go and. No one's going to hold it against us. They should have picked Liam Livingston. So if we find out that it doesn't work, well, fine. You know, what have we lost here? We, we pick people all the time that don't work. Just because they've been around the traps doesn't mean they suddenly earn, earn the right. So I think it's a really good idea to have a look at this guy because he, we might just find out that, that he likes it and he takes it on and it, and it elevates him. And if it doesn't, fine. You've got your T20 blaster. Jax looks like, I mean, I, I'm kind of glad that they've got Jax in the fray here because you wonder how how far it's going to take someone like him with his skills to go down that Livingston route. And before long, he suddenly starts skipping championship matches and championship seasons because he could easily do it. He's got every, every right in the world to go and chase franchise cricket and he's a very enticing prospect in that. So to pick him up at the right end of that spectrum where he is playing regular red ball cricket is really, really good. So I think England have given themselves options. And I think, referring back and circling back to what you said about Pat Cummins and this bit of grueler, I think they're going to need options. And they've allowed themselves a couple of interesting, you know, wildcard-ish people. And they might pick one of them, they might pick the other, as the series goes on. But I think they're both fun. (laughs) And And we know... We know that McCullough and Stokes are fun and they're aggressive. So they these, both these players fit the profile and they're not going to be out of place in this team.
0: Well, in the third part, coming up very shortly, we're going to look exactly at that, at the fun, at the, at the makeup of the side. But just before we do, to finish off on this topic, they're vying for one place, it seems to me. It's possible that they're not, but... I think they're vying for one place, just as I think Duckett and Jennings are. So you've got Crawley, Duckett and Jennings. You've got Pope. you got Root, nailed on, three, four. You've probably got Brooke, haven't you? Yeah, I reckon. Or, I, w- I would imagine it's Brooke. You've got Stokes at six. So I'm still not 100% sure where they go. It could be that it's Brooke or Livingston, or Jax, before we get to part three, where we'll speculate more on that, is there a pecking order within the Jax-Livingston axis? And if so, which way round do you think it is?
1: I have absolutely no is idea. It the, is it the man who's played the game?
0: <laughs> right. No, I don't think I do it, it, either. I'd be, I'd I don't be like, think I do. All
1: I would say is, I, uh, if I, I'm absolutely pushed, as you were really viciously pushing me, uh, pick the Cumbrian fellow where possible. That's my uh, motto.
0: So that'll be Livy's. <laughs> it's time for our final break. And after that, we're going to be talking about what this selection tells us about how England are going to approach 45 session cricket.
2: If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 99.94 DM. Welcome
0: to Cricket's Conversation. Welcome back. So three test matches, 15 sessions per test match, hard work on hard, hard pitches. And I'm just going to take a look at that squad, run you through... A possible team. It's just a possible team. So uh, Crawley, Duckett, ooh, Pope, Root, Livingston, Stokes, Folks. That's my top seven.
1: I'm going to flip. Robinson. I'm going to flip the Cumbrian lads. I think Stokes about five. Won't okay.
0: He? he might do. He might do. Um, Robinson, Leach, Wood, Anderson. Now... Big tail. That is, a, that is a top six that could go ballistic. And even if Jennings comes in instead, it's a top six that that's pretty, it's pretty damn punchy. It seems to me that Ben Foulkes might be the guy who's going to have to do the grueling hard yards, but he's got no kind of tail to speak of. Once again, he have got a pretty horrible tail. Now, what we, I think, a couple of things we can learn from the selection is that they know that they've got to get pace into that side. But these three matches, Rory, are back to back to back. I mean, it starts, doesn't it, on the first of December and it ends on the twenty-first. So there's not even like you know your week and a half break between two tests. And, and you know, people will have to bowl for long periods of time. At the moment, England are being very careful with Mark Wood. Very careful with Mark Wood. In in T twenties, he's not playing two back to back T twenties. And he's only bowling four overs at a time. Now, of course, it's October now, and his fitness could be very different by the time we get to December. But it, it could be it could is, be for the worst. His match, <laughs> match,
1: match fitness will be an open question entirely for those longer matches.
0: It really, really will. So, um, and with no Matt Potts, I know you're itching yeah, to talk about that. What do you think this tells us about England's approach? Because it strikes me that it's telling us that they're not taking a second spinner because they don't believe they've got a second spinner that's good enough to justify their place in the side and that actually Pakistan pitches, you don't get bowled out by spin as such. Your spinner has to do a job to look after your seamers. Is is that a fair reading of what it is that that England seems to have gone with? I think so.
1: I think there's also... Because there's been so little test cricket in Pakistan in the last period of time, there's a little bit of uncertainty as well, I think. I think this idea of, all oh, Pakistani pitches will be X, Y, or Z might be a bit presumptuous because pitches do change and there's not a great body of work to lean on uh, in, in recent times. But yeah, I I do think if there's anything in this squad that I would sort of be a bit tentative about... It's the, I look at it and I'm saying, who are you absolute banking on to bowl a big, long, dirty, horrible spell, which may be coming down the traps. And you look and you've got Jimmy Anderson and you really don't want to break Jimmy Anderson in Pakistan, like before the ashes. You really don't want to do that. The guy is 40 years old, has picked up a couple of muscular injuries and, 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 of late, it hasn't really pulled loads and loads through the middle. Uh, yeah. So, so that leaves a bit, of, a bit of work to pick up. Now, when Ollie Robinson picked up that extra work in the Ashes, didn't didn't come out all that well from it. Now, I think with Matt Potts been left out, because actually I, I picked, I looked at Matt Potts and thought he might be someone having been dropped at the end of the English summer who they had, Penciled in to do a bit of grunt work in Pakistan and and keep bustling in because he's he's strong, robust, pulls loads of overs, turns up again like this summary ball, tons of overs kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, always got wickets. His absence makes me think that they really like what they're seeing from Robinson in terms of not just his skills but his his fitness numbers, his durability. I think they must be banking on him to pull a shift because. If Robinson doesn't pull a shift, you're back to Ben Stokes pulling a shift. And again, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ,
0: yep. Yep. can we
1: not do that very often, please? So where, it, that's the one area where you look and you think you could get onto day three somewhere down the line in Multan and go, don't want to break Anderson or Stokes really here if we can help
0: it. It's... Yeah, it's very, very difficult to see it not being incredibly tough. If the pitches are anything like the ones that Australia played on, um, Jack Leach is going to do a lot of bowling. And what he's going to have to do is uh, be a fair bit more um, consistent than he has been. Um, By which I mean, you know, he doesn't need to be looking to take wickets and take, you know, bowl the magic ball he has got to be looking to not be hittable. He's got to be looking to be, to be going get two and over, but be able to bowl 30 to 35 overs in a day. Because if you get 10 or 12 out of Stokes and you're getting maybe 15 out of Robinson and maybe 12 out of Wood and maybe 12 out of Anderson, that's, that's kind of what you've got to hope for. Maybe you've got the second spinner, be it Jacks, be it Livingston. That's going to be how you're going to have to manage those days. There isn't a lot of express pace. There's only Wood, but then there isn't a lot of express pace in England at the moment that's fit. So I think England have to suck that up. Their problem is that their express paceman is uh, injury prone. What happens, let me put this to you, Rory, what happens if Wood goes down injured or if Wood feels that he can't play back-to-back-to-back but needs to miss the middle game? Well,
1: I think it would be insane to play him three tests. So I, I can't envisage him for one second playing all three tests just doesn't strike me as plausible with how they've used him in the last while. I mean, if he does that, he'll get injured and they'll lose him and it'll be a big drama before the ashes again. So that's why Jamie Overton's in the squad. Maybe ahead of Potts. Or you, would, you would think, looking at the pecking order as established, Potts was ahead, Craig Overton was ahead for a while, and Jamie Overton is the one who snuck in the door as the extra seamer. Well, I assume Jamie Overton is the extra seamer because he's gonna deputise for Mark Wood and try and try and bowl it at the peak of his pace and, and provide a stand-in on that front. So I think that's what they'll do. I think it's probably preordained. You know, it might be that Wood plays one and three and Overton plays two. Uh, but that that's the only thing I can think. I do I do wonder, and I have seen reports obviously that they're gonna they obviously have a Lions game in Abu Dhabi beforehand. And it seems as though some people will, because 15 is a pretty light squad uh, to take for a three back-to-back tests. So it seems as though some one or two people might come over as uh, extra sort of travelling reserves as we had in the COVID era. So um, young uh, Rehan Ahmed.
0: be really like Saki, been, Mahmoud yeah, yeah, exactly. well. so Saki Mahmoud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Saki Mahmoud
1: is one who, yep. if he comes up well from that camp and bowls well in the match, he, he, you might, he might travel. And as soon as you travel... It's one of these things, people, they always get listed as reserves. And then if you ever ask anyone, ever, uh, in, on a tour, if somebody's, in, if somebody's in the country and you say, is so-and-so available for selection? They go, well, he wouldn't be here if he wasn't. So, as yeah. soon as as soon as soon someone yeah. like Saki Mahmoud whoever it might be is in the country, well, they're in play. You know, the, so it's a 15-man squad that could be a 17 or 18.
0: My one last observation before we go on this, and I'd like to know how you see this, is that um, what England's approach was during the summer was to be going at four and a half, five and over. And for years and years and years, you know, angry fast bowlers have complained that, you know, didn't get their feet up for any length of time, having to you know, seventy overs was the most that England could bat. And indeed any I think it was twice that England faced a second new ball in an innings across the entire summer, yet still won six matches. Is that approach viable? I mean, I don't want to get really old and boring on this, but would it be, would Pakistan be the tour where you'd quite like to have a Ken Barrington and a John Edrich just to bat for a day and a half and go at two and a bit and over? Because England sure as hell won't be doing that with that batting lineup. So like, is it feasible that they're going to bat for 130 overs and give the bowlers any time off?
1: Well, if we look back at, Sri Lanka last time and which went into the India test where they won because they played on a pitch that wasn't a spinning top. There was a a method, a bit of a method created there that worked and you could sum up or distill the method into two words and that was Joe Root. And I would be tempted to say England's prospects of batting long and big hinge very heavily around those same two words, Joe Root, bed in. I mean, I remember Joe Root talking about two years ago when the, when the Pakistan tour that was eventually cancelled was first floated. And he said, can't wait to get to Pakistan and play on those pitches. Like, he's a guy who's hungry, hungry, hungry for runs. If they're nice bang pitches, he will be looking for a bloody big one, a big old tour, of his boots, fill his pockets with all the runs he can find. And if England
0: can bat around him they'll get a score well I tend to agree with you I think that is it I think that's (laughs) the only way that uh, England bat for any length of time because it looks like they're going to go to Pakistan and play like nobody goes to Pakistan and plays and obviously here on 99.94 as the England Cricket Podcast we wish them the very very best Thank you for listening to england cricket on 99.94 where we speak cricket every day please rate review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts you can download the 99.94 app and follow us on twitter at norcross cricket and at
1: e r v d and
0: at 9994 dm uh, never miss out join our 24 7 conversation on social media follow us at 9994 dm cricket every day your way. But for now, until a couple of days' time or so, because we're always popping up, it's goodbye from me and Rory. Bye-bye.